The Paso County DEC is providing this podcast as a public service in order to let you know more about the issues and ideas which Democrats have identified as being very important for voters and also to provide a forum for Democratic candidates for office. Our podcasts are open to anyone interested in how Pasco Democrats are dealing with the important issues of the day. You can check out our PascoDems.com website and also on Facebook, Pasco Dems, and the views expressed by the guest and host on our podcast are their own. And not the official views of the Pasco County Democratic Party or Democratic Executive Committee. Okay. There's the red. Okay. And uh, Bill Van Horn, who is running for Florida's 15th Congressional District. Uh, We are interviewing him today for, I think, the the third time. And uh, we're really lucky to have him here because he has some very good ideas that we want to talk about. And I guess the first thing we're going to say is, why are you running? Well, Kyle, I'm running because I'm a people person, and I want to be able to go to Congress, and I want to represent all the people. I don't want to pick out a slice or my base or anything like that, because we're at a time, we're at a pretty serious crossroads in the U.S. government, and we need people to try and get everybody together to work for why we were elected, to take care of the needs of the people in each of our districts and overall the United States of America. And I have that drive within me. And I want to take myself in that drive and go to Congress to make a difference for these people in the 15th district. Okay. Now, you've identified yourself as a working class individual. Can you now talk about that for a couple minutes? Of course. Uh, for my whole life, I've never had any cushy uh, office jobs, executive positions. I mean, I, going back I, I, to when kids delivered newspapers, I was 13, delivering newspapers after school on Long Island. And every job I've had subsequently has been working hard. Uh, uh, I was a U.S. Navy uh, for four years. I was a postal worker, a letter carrier for 30 years. I'm a union member for 42 years and elected union official for 21 of those years. And I'm in the trenches all the time with these people, uh, fighting for them, looking out for them, making sure they have their rights are protected. And uh, I'm just like the voters in, in, in District 15. Uh, I'm one of them. I'm just a, a guy who puts his pants on and goes to work every day. Uh, I'm not sitting up at a desk with my feet up, yakking on the phone. That's I like good, hard, clean work. That's what I like. Okay. Now, uh, we're going to talk in a while about some of the big um, items that people are interested in issues these days. But I think one of the major things that we've talked before about and I certainly want to give you plenty of time for this today, and that is education. Tell us about your feelings about education. Well, I think education is one of my most important topics. And, and the reason that is, is you listen to people talk about uh, uh, precious resources, uh, the, the stuff that goes into making computer chips and uh, long-lasting batteries for cars. And our most precious resource, as far as I'm concerned, is our children. And our children need a sound, strong education so they can go through school, attend a good college, get the education they need to be very good contributing members of society when they get out. I also think that the the federal and or state government should get out of the business of telling schools what they should teach. 
I mean, there's too many things negative going on uh, about banning books in school. Probably classics. I don't know if they been gone with the wind yet, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure if they have, and that'll be next. I mean, and, and it's it, it's ridiculous, and you know, kids who are a question with their sexual identity can't say, "Well, I think I'm gay in school." I mean, what did what's what's that going to lead to these children? Right. Well, if no one's going to listen to me, I, you know, kids commit suicide. I mean, it, it, it's it's unspeakable about this, mm-hmm. and, and as far as I'm concerned. First Amendment gives you a freedom of speech to do whatever you want as long as you're not trying to incite a riot or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Plus, our school teachers, they need to get paid a living wage. We shouldn't have to go vote on a mill to just to, you know, to give the teachers a pay, pay raise. They're ranked 47th or 48th out of 50 states in this very rich country of ours. And I, I would like to take care of that if I, when, I'm, when I go to Congress and get a granted aid. Mm-hmm. Where the state, Florida State, would have to use that money for what its intended purpose, and that would be to raise the salaries of school teachers and the associate positions within the school, other than non non administrative ones, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, because, and, and this has got to extend to all low income schools. You know, everybody they should have the same resources. A, a school in the Bronx or South Tam, or, or South St. Peter, you know, minority areas should have the same accessibility to the latest technology like you would in Manhattan or Beverly Hills or very mm-hmm. rich environments like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they need to have it because that's what this country is involved in now and computers and all that technology is just going to get more advanced. Everybody needs to have a, have an opportunity to learn these things. Yeah, and I know DeSantis <clears throat> and his cohorts are obviously trying to... Uh, well, it's, it's it's the irony that they have in terms of we don't want the left out there to indoctrinate our kids. So in turn, what they're really saying is we're going to indoctrinate them. <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, you keep thinking that um, um, DeSantis is not just running for governor; he's running, obviously, for president uh, in 2024. And yeah. uh, I can I would fear what would happen to our nation. Would be worse yeah, than Trump. Uh, yeah, with the education and stuff like that. Yeah. See, like I said in the past, that the different people I spoke with. So my wife and I adopted our three special needs grandchildren. The oldest one at the time was eight. He's twenty now. He, Zach is autistic, and because of his disability, he's got other disabilities. Believe me, but this is the one I'm, that got me involved with the school. I used to go to Cypress Elementary mm-hmm. minimum three times, probably once a week for the longest time, and I met just about every teacher in that school, mm-hmm. administrators as well, off, cam- off campus uh, when I have parties and stuff. Yeah. And I can tell you, Kyle, the last thing, and you know this as a school teacher, and your wife knows this as a, as a school teacher, the last thing a teacher wants to do is indoctrinate children about politics, race, sexual identity, or anything else. They are there, one, because they love the job. They're dedicated to the job. They're dedicated to our children. They love our kids. And all the teachers want, other than, you know, respectable pay, is to teach these children everything they need to know and can know so they can get the, the optimum education they can and push them, you know, towards careers and through college and stuff like that. Mm. That's all. The teachers are, teachers are not different than me and you. Yeah. You know, we all, we're all working people. We're, you're, Fortunately retired, but yeah. but 
they have a s- simple, they just want to go teach. Leave them alone. Yeah. Pay yeah. what they deserve and teach yeah. you what you're supposed to. Right. There are some very fundamental things that one can talk about in terms of what the Constitution is and, you know, there's certain historical events, et cetera, and certain books you could read as uh, as an English teacher and have them talk. But I think one of the basic things that good teachers are trying to do is suggest, here's how you can learn to ask questions. And if you can learn to ask questions, then you'll be in good shape in your life because that's that's probably the, the hallmark of an intelligent individual. Ask the questions and get the answers and so forth. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to ask this about you. It's another one. Um, what do you think are the most important characteristics of a, that a politician should have? And an elect, let me change that back. As an elected official should have, what are the most char- the best characteristics of an elected official? The best characteristic of an elected official should be his ability to learn and listen and communicate with the people in this district. They should have a, 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 a strong desire to do that, do the best they can at this job, not for themselves, not for their future prospects of uh, power and glory, but they should do it for making the lives of people in that district better today than I was tomorrow. Understand what their priorities are. Work as hard as you can to achieve them. It's not, you know, during the primaries and stuff like that, it's a lot of spin, a lot of nonsense going on. A lot of candidates around don't, you know, they say what they people want to hear. I, I don't believe in that. I tell you exactly what I believe in, and if you like it, good. Vote for me. If you don't, well, whatever. Yeah. But you got to work. you got to work for the people. That's the bottom line. And I know this is one thing that's been talked about in that once a person gets into office, particularly on the federal level, whether it's a senator or a congressman, uh, a large part of their day seems to have to go to raising money for the next election. And uh, it's hard, I think, to work for people in terms of legislation if what you're doing is getting on the phone and, and trying to raise money. So what do you think about that sort of thing? Well, I, I think that's definitely true more so with uh, members of the House and the Senate because the House members only have a, uh, a two-year, uh, you know, right. a two-year term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I do agree. I could imagine that. Uh, you know, term limits should be something that we should that they should institute. Now, I know they had a decision, I think, from the Supreme Court or some court in 95 said, well, if you want to do that, it's got to be a, a constitutional amendment. But mm-hmm. I think it's worth the while to work through that process because nobody nobody should go there thinking that they have a career now in politics. Ah. What they should go there is, I have a job in politics. I'm working 12 years, which is my, my suggestion for both the House members, three, four-year terms, and the Senate's two, six-year terms. I'm there for, t- I have a total possibility of being there for 12 years. I am going to do everything possibly I can to accomplish all the things that me and the people of my district want and and again, four years they could they could work for three and a half years, and then fundraise. You know, if, if you're in a you know dicey district, but if you do, you know, if you do what the people want, and you're successful, or at least the people see you working towards their goals, you have a higher favorability rating and a more more of a chance to win a reelection based on your not necessary campaigning. But if your performance for the last three and a half, four years. Yeah. Now, 
I gather you've taken classes on federal workman's compensation and uh, uh, Department of Labor time and attendance and so forth, uh, and you've been trained to be an arbitration advocate. Now, how will all those things help you? Well, workman's compensation was was a real treat. I mean, that was, that is so hard. That's more mathematical, but it, it helped me as a union official when people get hurt on a job. The Postal Service does never does what they're supposed to. They're supposed to provide the, the carrier with a form within six hours and seek medical attention. And I don't ever do that, so trust me. Mm-hmm. That helped me there. But all of that combined, especially arbitration advocate, uh, you got the... You learn, you got a case in front of you, and you learn how to dissect that case. Makes you very focused, very detail-oriented. And then you come up with methods of how to resolve the issue, whether you got a clear winner, if you have to negotiate. So that definitely taught me how to work with people of different interests Mm -hmm. to get a common goal where we could resolve the issue as least punitive as we possibly can. And, you know, it's about learning, listening, research. And you do that all on your own. You don't have a team to help you. You're on your own. Do you happen to remember any particular situation or issue you dealt with in terms of an individual and how you managed to succeed and, and bring it to a successful conclusion? Uh, let's see. My last one that went to arbitration was a carrier who was allegedly had to do her route and then had to do a a small piece of another route. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they claimed that she took the mail she was given for that piece and she threw it back in the outgoing mail Ah. and and, and ignored doing the piece. Mm -hmm. Well, that's intentional delaying of mail, fireable offense. They threw, they gave her notice. They did the right things and... You know, I did extensive research on that. I I interviewed the line supervisor. I interviewed the station manager. I asked her to produce evidence. Where's the mail you claimed? It's, and I went through it. And I researched, researched, and researched it. And we won, our, we won the case. Mm-hmm. And then after the case was won, I had to research oh, six or nine months worth of time clock rings mm-hmm. to get her back, her back pay. And the overtime she missed because she wasn't on the clock, she got about six, seven thousand uh-huh. dollars, and and that was tough because they were they didn't like this girl because she's outspoken and she's lackadaisical. She's a damn hard worker. She had to she had the same route I had uh-huh. in downtown Clearwater. And I know just how hard that was, but yeah, they had her out the door and uh, forget about it. I got a job back and back pay. Good. And I'm assuming for the moment then that if uh, people were coming to your office or you were a congressman and, and some people came in and said, hey, I want this, and other people came in and said they want exactly the opposite, that you would uh, be able to try to figure out ways of maybe coming to uh, compromises or whatever? i got to tell you the stupidest removal grievance I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. This guy, and it was during route inspection time. Now, route inspection time, you have a supervisor riding in your truck with you, and he records every blessed moment, every ah. piece of everything. Mm-hmm. So this guy had an express mail piece, okay? Express mail and clear wood had to be delivered by 12. It was about 12.15, he comes across a piece. He says, oh, I, I, I missed a piece. So he, he, he fraudulently, with the supervisor in the car, he fraudulently... 
<laughs> enters that it was delivered at 11.58 with the boss watching him. <laughs> oh. Okay, this is the dumbest. They put this guy, and he was close to retirement as it is. He would have oh. lost everything. Oh. They had him dead, I mean, dead to rights. I mean, I don't care if the glove didn't fit, yeah. you know. It, he was dead to rights, okay, out the door. So I sat down with the station manager. Didn't, didn't go to the postman. So it was the station manager. I, I resolved this grievance. We went back and forth for weeks. No, nope, he's going to get... I come up with this situation, this resolution. No, I came up with uh, nothing. After a couple of weeks, we sat down and said, look, this is a decent guy. He did a stupid thing. One thing in his career, he did something stupid. It's wrong. He knows it's wrong. The whole world knows it's wrong. Let's do this. Let's let him keep his job. And he agreed. I talked him into it. And that's how you resolve it. And that is an impossible situation, Cal. I tell yeah. you, I think it, I think of that guy dick every day because I, I was just thinking about him sitting inside before. Dead to rights, out the door, gone, and nobody could save him. But you got lucky. I must have hit a, 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 a soft spot with the uh, station manager because we uh, signed an agreement and kept his job. And then he subsequently retired.